Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast that I've been putting together over the last while where I like to talk about all things investing, where I get to share with you some of my thoughts, some of my takes, and other people's takes about what's going on in the whole investing world. The goal here is for you to take some nuggets of information, some perspectives, some different perspectives about what's going on in the world of stocks and ETFs and bring them back to your own personal investing situation with the goal of hopefully helping you make more uh, successful investment decisions. My name is Amin Reina and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And what I do as an investment coach is, as is at the end of the day, I try to help people who want to become more financially independent. The problem that most people have, especially when it comes to investing, is they often feel uh, intimidated, frustrated, or confused by the whole investing process. They either don't know where to start if they're brand new to investing, or they've been investing for a long period of time and they're just not making any progress with their portfolios. So what I do as an investment coach is, is I teach people, I engage with people on how to make more effective, how to make more educated, and ultimately more successful investment decisions so that they can just improve their chances of achieving that financial freedom that they're seeking in their lives and achieve it with confidence. So today is another day. It's another day and another day after uh my beloved Raptors have won yet another game. They are now one game away from from climbing, getting to the summit of the NBA and getting a title, which I don't think anybody had a chance, gave them a chance to. Uh, literally, I, 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 I am completely stunned at this point about how they're doing. Um, it's fantastic. It's unbelievable. Um, as I said, I'm not a Toronto... Like, I'm. I'm not from Toronto. I live in Toronto, but I'm not. I was born in Ottawa, the capital of Canada, for people outside um, the Canadian domain. And uh, honestly, I've not, I, I grew up uh, a Habs fan, a Montreal Canadiens fan. I grew up a Montreal Expos fan. I was never a Toronto Blue Jay fan. I was never a Toronto Maple Leaf fan. I was an Ottawa, more of an Ottawa Senator fan than a. Than a I probably split my li- lines down the road with the Sens and the and the Canadians. Uh, but I've never really been a big fan of any of the Toronto teams, except the Raptors, because when I moved to Toronto was was essentially when the Raptors got going, and I kind of got into it, um, into basketball at that time, and, you know, that time also Jordan was around, and so that whole Jordan, you know, Kobe, uh, Shaq, uh, <clears throat> Troika was out there, um, so it's amazing. So I, I definitely bleed a little bit more Raptor, uh, Raptor purple and, and red now um, than any of the other uh, Toronto teams. But that's not why you're here listening to this, right? Um, I just kind of leads into um, what I want to talk about today, which is about staying in the game. Uh, I got some really great feedback uh, on a previous uh, podcast that I did talking about uh, George Mikan and how successful investors really should really try to model the George Mikan. He was this great basketball player. Um, his approach and his strategy for him to become a great basketball player, we have, there's a lot to learn in there in terms of becoming a great investor. And that is essentially adopting a plan, a strategy, a playbook, and then sticking to it. Um, becoming good, practicing, engaging in the, co- in the concept, uh, engaging in investing. The people that are really good have those competencies 
they've developed those investing competencies. And I use George Mikan to be kind of a case study for it because uh, a lot of the qualities that he developed, his competencies, his basketball competencies, um, really bleed nicely into the the whole investing uh, domain. So today I kind of want to continue on because uh, you know I'm in, I'm in total basketball mode right now. Um, I want to continue it with another perspective uh, that basketball can give us uh, in terms of investing. Um, I got this inspiration from uh, a blog post by Ben Carlson, who I, who is if you're looking for blog posts, blogs and stuff like that, investment blogs and out there, check out Ben Carlson. He's fantastic. He has a, po- a website called Wealth of Common Sense, um, dot com, and uh, his blogs are fantastic. I consider him. There's a few of those, like more uh, Morgan Housel, uh, Josh Brown, Reform Broker, Ben Carlson, uh, Michael Batnick. Um, who else is there? Uh, Barry Ritholz. Really, to me, kind of like the thought leaders for investing. Um, then, you know, you got your Buffett's and your Howard Marks and, you know, the the, the senseis, I guess, of, of, of investing. Uh, but Ben Carlson, he posted a, a post. It's called How to Stay in the Game. And he, he kind of uses, talks about the whole, um, he uses basketball again to explain this concept. And he basically, his, his, he cites the, if we remember the the, the finals between um, Golden State and Cleveland a year ago, um, the infamous uh, game at the end of the game where uh, they inbound the ball or the Golden State was coming to score and J.R. Smith stole the ball and he was dribbling around the court and he 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 thought that the score that Cleveland was ahead, but in fact they were tied, and LeBron is just going, "What the hell are you doing, man?" And you see that infamous picture of him, like telling him with his arms out there, um, "What are you doing?" Because what happened was, if they had more than enough time, they could have got. He could have just passed the ball back to LeBron, and LeBron could have had a pretty good shot at actually taking the game. It would have actually changed the whole dynamic of that series. But instead, it got into overtime because Jared Smith held the ball, and uh, <laughs> and, the, and Golden State won the game, and they blew out Cleveland after that. That's what he. That's his inspiration. But that's actually what he wanted to talk about. What he wanted to talk about, which was people don't remember from that game. People remember that J.R. Smith moment, but they don't remember the one that happened before that, which was which which uh, uh, Carlson brings up was when uh, Kevin Durant was driving to the hoop and LeBron got on the way and they called it a charge. They called it a block. No, wait a minute. They called it a charge on Durant, but then they switched it to a block. And that was probably had a bigger impact on the game than the J.R. Smith one that we remember. And the only reason why it brings it up is, is the whole concept of the charge. And to me, a charge, his, his, uh, Carlson's argument is charges are like, I don't even know why they have that rule. Um, it's just, you know, it's such an arbitrary call, like either, you, you know, whether you're, you have your feet down or not. But what's key about it what he thinks is a key thing about it is it kind of cites a concept of staying in the game. And he uses it because he talks about Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant, you know, has been an epic, one of the all-time great players. Um, He said something a while ago um, when he was looking back at his career uh, and how it went. He said something, he quoted this here, and it's interesting. Quote, this is Kobe Bryant. 
Quote, I learned from my predecessors, man. Uh, Pippin had a messed up back taking charges. Bird had a messed up back taking charges. I said, I'm not taking charges. I figured that stuff out at an early age. I've seen them take charges and lay there with a messed up back. I've seen Michael not take one charge and he's healthy his whole career. And the same thing happened with, with Magic. I may not be the smartest guy in the room, but I can figure that stuff out. And this kind of comes to the, it's interesting because right now we're all, you know, with the Raptors and everything, we're seeing so much about uh, Kyle Lowry. And you see Kyle Lowry is actually, he's leading the playoffs in charges. And he's, he's just literally, he'll have, you know, uh, you know, DeMarcus Cousins coming down. They're barreling down him, and he's just taking charges. He's getting dacked. He's getting beat up big time. He's already hurt. He's got a bad thumb. He's just taking a lot of abuse. And he, he, that's his DNA. That's, he believes in that. That's how he does it. That's his, that's his, that's his strategy. It's his style. Um, but what Kobe Bryant is saying is that was something... I didn't want to do because I wanted to be in the game. I wanted to play basketball for a long time. I don't want to have like a five-year career. I wanted to have a 20-year career. And so he made a conscious decision to say, you know what? I'm just going to let people walk by. If people come in, if people are driving at me, I'm just going to let them, I'm just going to step aside. You just go right through and take your shot because I'm not going to get decked. And so what Carlson talks about, he uses Kobe Bryant as sort of as a case study in the sense that, um, is how important it is to stay in the game. Kobe Bryant made a decision that he wanted to stay in the game longer by doing something, by taking something out of, out of, out of his playbook. And, and that's kind of what the theme of it, of Carlson's uh, post was, is that sometimes to be successful at something, you have to do um, some things that you may not be comfortable with. And sometimes you have to take setbacks. Um, you might have to just kind of give up some things in order to get, to where you want to go and so what does that mean um, from an investing perspective and it, it means a lot because one of the secrets one of the tenets of, of successful investors is they're in it they're engaged and I talk about that a lot they have a core competency they're engaged in the process of making decisions but once they are committed to making those decisions they are in it they are in it all the way, and they're in it through thick, and they're in it through thin. They have long-term horizons. They're not buying stuff to flip the next day. They're not making decisions that they can change tomorrow. They have an ideology, and they stick to it. And that stick to it is allows them to stay in the game. A core tenet of successful investors is that they stay in the game. And the way they stay in the game is they have an ideology, a framework of how they make decisions, of what constitute what a successful investment decisions, and then they execute it. And they put their money to work, and they stay in those decisions through thick and thin. And they exit those decisions when they've developed their playbook tells them when they should exit those decisions. Um, longevity is a key um, ingredient to being a successful investor. If you want to increase your chances of making money, the people that are really good at it, they're consistent in their ideology and how they implement and execute their investing ideology. They're disciplined. They don't let all kinds of little market, little noise out there kind of take them off their path. And they're engaged. They're constantly practicing. They're practicing it. And 
one of the things I do when I work with people is I try to help them get these competencies, build these competencies. And one of the best ways you can do that is through a playbook that kind of puts it out on a piece of paper or on a screen, shows you these are the rules of engagement of how I'm going to make investment decisions, how I'm going to stay in the game. And that's really where I'm going with this. Where I thought Carlson's article was, was an excellent article because um, he really took the whole concept of Kobe Bryant saying, you know what, I'm not going to take charges. I want to play for a long time. This is how I'm going to play for a long time. This is how I'm going to stay in the game. This is how I'm going to be a successful basketball player. And you can take a lot of those competencies and that perspective and put that into investing. It's the same principles. Um, <clears throat> the problem with staying in the game, and this is a challenge every one of us, you and I and every one of us face, is it's hard to stay in the game because there's so much distractions out there. And the industry does a really great job. <laughs> they want our money, but they don't necessarily want us to stay in the game for a long time. They want us to kind of deviate from a lot of things that we should be doing and put a lot of distractions in front of us. Um, Carlson had an excellent quote in his post. He says, picking an investment strategy or philosophy is easy. They're a dime a dozen these days. It's true. They're all, there's, there's no one magical investment strategy. There's so many different ways. And as a coach, I've, I've worked with people who have all kinds of different strategies that, that work that work for them. And I can't say that's one is bad or, hey, it's working for them. So there's so many ways you can approach investing and making decisions. Carlson continues on, says, quote, but sticking with a strategy or philosophy is often unbearable for many because the temptation always exists to tinker, trade, or completely alter the way you manage money. And he's absolutely right. We are tinkerers. As human beings, we like to tinker. We like to kind of poke and prod, and we're curious. We're curious people. We're curious beasts. And sometimes, some, so if somebody puts up a concept of an investing idea, go, oh, okay, I want to take a look at that. Oh, that's not bad. You know what? I have this plan, but you know what? Maybe I just take a little bit of money and I'll put it into this. And then another idea comes up. Oh, I just take a little bit of money and put it into this. And next, it, we take this very undisciplined approach. And then the next thing you know, the, our strategy that we're working on is totally not the strategy. We're, we've, we've, we've got a pile of spaghetti. It's all over the place. So Carlson's uh, blog gives us some, gives some interesting recommendations to help us kind of stay focused and try to help us stay in the game for a long period of time. I've talked to you about a core element of staying in the game is having a playbook, having an ideology and sticking to it um, religiously through thick and thin. Executed flawless execution is, is a critical component. Playbook to me, from my experience, is, is a really tangible way for doing that. But there's some other things we can do too, and Carlson uh, highlights them. Um, and I think they're all great pieces, and I just I definitely wanted to share them with you. Um, he says, uh, Here's some ways to stay in the game financially. One, set aside some frivolous spending money every once in a while. Basically, it's like have a fun. Have like a like a pot like a little carve out a little bit of money that you're willing to lose your fun happy monopoly fu money kind of thing um, your own little personal fu money <laughs> as uh, Drake likes to call it uh, that you just spend you don't have to worry about the issues about just spend it guilt free spending within reason I guess. Um, 
allocate the money that you have that you need to, but then if you have a little bit left over, park it somewhere and just use it for whatever. Just, you know, binge spend or whatever, um, if you can. Second thing he talks about, find a behavior release valve for your portfolio. Take a small percentage of your portfolio and allocate it to penny stocks, crypto stocks, cannabis stocks, inverse ETS, high risk stuff, high yield, junk bonds, whatever. Um, it's just basically take a car set, take and just carve it out and just exclusively use it for these fun, funny money investment decisions. Because it kind of, it's basically just kind of like your release valve. It's just, he calls it the behavioral release. It's just, you know what? Take these urges that you're getting, these temptations, these things that you're getting knocked, you know, people knocking you into these different uh, alternative kind of areas of investing. Just, okay, carve us a small, very small part of it. Put it into that. Just get your urges out. Get your, get your you know, get all your f- funny stuff that you've got, your temptations. Put it out there. Just, you know, get it out there. Um, it's basically, he says there's a really good way of saying it. It says, quote, give yourself the ability to light a small amount of money on fire, knowing the rest of your portfolio is managed more prudently. Oh, that is excellent. Takes le- take less risk. Take risk that, you know, we all have different th- uh, tolerances for risk. You know, some are more cool with it. Some are a little bit more conservative. Um, at the end of the day, just know it's really important that you have a good sense of what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with, because that's really going to determine how effectively you're going to stay with your investing plan, how you're going to stay on your investing path, how you're going to implement your playbook, how you're going to stay in the investing game. If you're taking on your investments that you just do not feel comfortable with and they're much more, um, they're not making you sleep well at night, then you're going to let emotions are going to come in the way of making decisions and ultimately you will not be in the investing game for very long. Be comfortable with what you are investing in. And then finally, the last thing he talks about, which I think is huge, is staying in the investing game, is, if you want to do it, you need to personalize your benchmark. Now, one of the things with, the, with investing is, is this, this compare and despair concept. The industry is run by the whole, the, the business model or the value proposition that the investing industry casts upon all of us is that they are smarter than us, they know more than us, we have all the educational experience with us, we have the infrastructure, um, we, they, we are in a better position to make decisions than you are and so the, one of the things they hold up to us is this whole concept of outperformance, that they can make investment decisions that are going to outperform the broader market, the whole concept of alpha, beating the street. <clears throat> For regular listeners of my, pl- of my podcast, blog, website, who I've worked with as, as a coach, you'll know the whole concept of beating, beating the markets consisting of a long period of time is pretty much impossible Yet, when we interact with the industry, we hold ourselves, we evaluate people, we evaluate money managers, portfolio managers, we evaluate performance based on somebody's ability to outperform this mar- perform the market. Bunch of garbage. And so Carlson is saying, 
forget about all that stuff. You need to personalize this. You need to set benchmarks that are consistent with what your goals are, not what somebody else's goals are. It's absolutely true. <clears throat> to me, the easiest ways to do that, when, especially when people ask me well, about stocks, I look at stocks, and this is, you know, I look at stocks from a perspective of what, you know, what should you be making in stocks? Like, how much return should I get? I expect to get on stocks. The, the answer I look at is, if you go over about, over the last 150 years of the stock market, the average return on stocks over the last 150 plus years has been around 6%. 6%. So if you're earning your portfolio on a typical year is like earning 6% or 7%, it's pretty good. It's a pretty decent, you've had a decent year. You got like 10% return, 12%, that's phenomenal. But then there's years you're going to have underperformance. You're going to have like 1%, 2% because market, you know, markets go up, markets go down. Sometimes you're going to lose years, you're going to lose money. But on average, if you look at it again, this is again staying in the game. If you're in the game, instead of jumping in, timing the market, getting in, getting out, because again, you, it's impossible to do it. 6% is the long-term return. So that's one element that you can benchmark yourself on. That's a more realistic benchmark. The second area you want to look at is the whole concept of just earning your purchasing power. You know, as a, at the end of the day, you want to have enough money where you can afford the basic things and the things that are going to maintain your, your quality of life. And that is ultimately earning returns because we know things get expensive over time. The money you have today will not be worth the same in the future. It'll be worth less. So we need to, earn, we need to compensate for that loss of value, that inflation, that uh, inflationary concept um, by investing in making investment decisions that are going to earn the rate of inflation so we can preserve our purchasing power. These are the type of benchmarks we really need to be more focused on instead of these crazy what the S&P 500 did last year or what the MSCI, EFE, uh, inverse leveraged ETF index earned. Ultimately, you're going to buy stocks. You're looking at about 6%, trying to, trying to get about 6% return. That's a kind of a, a typical type of return you want to look for. Um, and you want to generate returns that are at least c protecting your purchasing power. If you're generating 6% returns, you know, inflation has been about 2% roughly over the last 100 plus years. You know, that's pretty decent. You're growing your purchasing power. You want to grow your wealth to protect your purchasing power. That's reasonable. Now, stuff that your broker or your planner are going to tell you are probably not going to be reasonable because it's not them. It's their company. They're in a business to make money. So necessarily their return expectations are going to be a lot different than yours. So really, really insightful concept of it's an important concept to, to have is when, if you're going to, when we engage in investing, we're not investing for three weeks. We're investing for the rest of our lives. And we need to be engaged in the process. We need to be engaged in the process from the perspective of actively making decisions, being on top of the decisions, understanding the decisions that we're making, being involved in it. Or if we're not being involved in it, somebody else is managing our money, being actively engaging and asking questions to those people to make sure that they are doing what they are supposed to be doing. Then there's engagement for the perspective of being in the market, being consistently invested in the market. Because the more you are engaged in the market, the more your money is working for you in the market over long periods of time, the chances are of that money appreciating will be high if 
you've adopted a strategy that you're comfortable with, that you're consistently applying, that you're disciplined with, and that you're executing, executing religiously. Staying in the game is a critical competency that we have to have as investors if we want to figure this stuff out. And sometimes to stay in the game, you have to do some tough things and you have to deal with some tough things. And one of the things, unfortunately, with investing is that, you know what, you're going to make bad decisions sometimes. Not every investment decision you're going to make is going to work. You will lose money. So sometimes to stay in the game, we have to accept this reality that, you know what, you're going to make bad decisions and they're not going to work out. What's key then to ensure that you stay in the game despite these situations happening is that you know how to manage them. So when you do make that bad decision, when that stock that you invested in doesn't pan out and you're down 15%, you're not going, oh my God, I'm down 15%. You're not the emotions now getting in the way because that's going to impact your ability to stay in the game. You need to have that playbook, that investing strategy. Say, what is my exit strategy for the stock if it doesn't pan out? Because yes, you will be exiting, unfortunately, having to take a loss. But if that loss is a small, in other words, taking, uh, if, uh, avoiding the charge, as uh, Kobe Bryant likes to do. But that small loss, if I'm controlling my loss, if I'm managing my loss, I have an exit strategy, that's going to keep me in the game. And if I'm in the game, over the long run, I'm probably going to make better, you know, if I'm educated and I understand the principles of investing, I'm probably going to make more better investment decisions and worse than bad investment decisions. And the chances of me making money and growing my portfolio and growing my savings is higher. Staying in the game is, is an important competency. Staying engaged is an important competency of successful investing. So that's all I have. It's amazing what bas- basketball has really got a lot of kind of interesting segues to investing. I'm starting to learn about that. I want to like find some more uh, interesting concepts. Uh, I did a podcast or a video like three, four years ago where I talked about investing. Investing is almost the same thing. Uh, I mean, tennis is almost the same thing. The people that are really good at tennis, you know, the goal of tennis is to win points. And the win- you win points by, staying, by keeping the rallies going on longer. And so the people that are, can keep rallies going on longer tend to win more games doesn't matter how, how they, well, the style in terms of how they get the ball back over the court, staying in the rallies uh, increases your chances of winning rallies and ultimately increases your chances of winning games and winning sets and winning matches. It's the same principle. A lot of, it's, it, again, tennis, sports, I guess, gives us these, it's, the insight of sports is that just staying in the game, not giving up, <clears throat> is a really important thing to do. And it's a hard thing to do because, as I said, we're wired to tinker. We're wired to give up. So again, investing is a lot about the mindset, the behavioral aspect of it. Again, really plays into a factor of how, how good we're going to be in terms of making decisions. Love to hear your feedback on this. If you have any questions, you can give me a call. Give me a call. Give me a, send me an email uh, through my website, uh, sageinvestors.ca. Uh, have you have any questions about this podcast, blog, uh, the courses that I teach? I teach online courses on investing. I teach in uh, in-person courses on investing and uh, in stocks and ETFs. If you have any questions about those programs? Love to uh, love to fill in the blanks for you. Um, 
I'm also on Twitter. You can find me. Uh, my handle is at Sage Investors. I'm on there all the time, tweeting about various uh, things going on in the market in real time, uh, some of my takes on it, and sharing you with other people's takes and content, really great content on there about uh, what's going on in the market that helps me make uh, better investment decisions. You can find me on Facebook. Do a search on Sage Investors. I usually post links to my uh, my blogs and podcasts through there. And... Uh, Instagram. I also post uh, links to my uh, podcasts and videos through Instagram. You can find me there. My handle is at Sage Investors Nation. Finally, if you are interested, I also do a weekly email blast. I call it In the Loop, where I share with you new content that I'm posting, as well as really interesting articles and uh, posts and videos that I come across from other people who I think know investing way better than I do. Um, and that I use actually, that I'm not just linking, it's just not a link email, it's just stuff that I'm reading and I'm actually factoring using that information to help me make decisions. And so I'm just sharing that with you. Um, interesting, interesting perspectives from stuff that you may not see in the regular media. So if you're interested, you can go to my website, sageinvestors.ca, drop your email address in there and every Wednesday morning and Wednesday late afternoon I send a couple of blasts during the day and uh, just some quick emails just give you some uh, food for thought give you some other uh, resources you can tap into so that's all I got for you this week thanks very much for listening in um, this has been another episode of Stock Talk uh, my name is Amon Reina of Sage Investors and we'll catch you again another time take care bye bye <laughs>